Blog Talk Radio. another Thursday night edition of BAMS Radio. We are live after a couple of weeks where Drew had to do something or I had to do something or just things happened. We are live. We are back. We are glad to be back. Drew is having some technical difficulties. It wouldn't be a Thursday night BAMS Radio without some part of the show blowing up and at me having to frantically fix it. I am Thomas Watts. I am one of the hosts. I'm also the producer. I wear many hats for this program. But we've got a what I like to think is going to be a solid show coming on up for you today. We've got our good friend William Redfish Barger. He's going to join us first around 705-710, depending on uh, how I can figure out to get Drew on the internet. Aaron Suttles uh, of Tidesports.com will be coming on in the back half of the sec- of the first hour. Excuse me. Then moving on into the second hour, we'll have Ken Keller, a radio host and previous guest on BAMS Radio from Tennessee. He's he's an Alabama guy, so he's going to give us his take on the game. And finally, Drew did a segment with Danny Parker. Danny Parker, he's the managing, I believe, managing editor of. Uh, the Scout UT affiliate. I think it's UT Insider. I'm, I, I'm not sure, I'll be honest. But big UT guy, he'll give his take on the large, big, somewhat meaningful third Saturday in October game that Alabama is spinning towards coming up this weekend. You know, if you lived under a rock this past Saturday, Alabama did triumph 49-30 to over the Arkansas Razorbacks. Kind of a scrappy team. Certainly certainly some things in the secondary that made you face palm, quite honestly. The uh particularly in the second half. Austin Allen, excuse me, the name flew out of my head. Austin Allen threw for four hundred plus yards, which is never a good thing. But if there's one thing people have asked me about the secondary, and there are really two sides to it. One, we know the talent with Minka Fitzpatrick, Marlon Humphrey. Ronnie Harrison, even though Ronnie Harrison is struggling, Eddie Jackson and company, not to, Anthony Averett, excuse me as well. All of those guys are uber talented. We know the talent is there, but they're going to have to put it together. I mean, I remember after the Ole Miss game, I said on this program that that was a really good football team. Chad Kelly's an NFL quarterback. Well, Austin Allen is not quite on Chad Kelly's level right now. He might get there, but he's not on his level right now. And yet we still had enormous passing numbers put up. So the talent's there, but at some point in the very near future, it's put up or shut up time. And probably not this weekend against the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Josh Dobbs is is not the best pure passer. He is a he thrives on chaos, if you ask me, in terms of passing. So kind of a kind of a different different look there. The and similarly. We want to play it forward even two weeks from now with Texas A&M. 
which Trevor Knight is Alabama going to see? Is it going to see the Trevor Knight that was pinpoint accurate on multiple throws again in the Sugar Bowl a few years back, or is it Trevor Knight that completes you know forty or fifty percent of his passes? It, it it really does depend. The fun, maybe not fun. The interesting part. Let's go with interesting. The interesting part of the Texas A&M game in two weeks is the range. The Trevor Knight range is quite frankly sort of extreme more extreme than you get for most. You know, you look at a guy like Jalen Hurts, you're going to get pretty much the same thing from Jalen with steps taken forward week to week in general. Trevor Knight, he can be fantastic or he can be frustratingly bad. There's a reason that everyone loved him after the Sugar Bowl a few years ago, and then he transferred from Oklahoma because he, quite frankly, fell off the face of the planet. So, you know, stuff in the secondary that I'm sure Drew and Fish will talk about, um, Looking around the SEC briefly, the LSU-Florida game got rescheduled to November the 19th, which is cool, yes, in that LSU and Florida now have two bye weeks. I don't really know how that's fair, but I'll just go with natural disasters or bad things, and Florida felt like they couldn't uh, they couldn't play the game in Gainesville. And I, I do have one quick thing to say on the hurricane situation. I've lived in Alabama for most of my life. I've dealt with hurricanes most of my life. Anybody that has not been hurricanes for decades not have an opinion on them because they are big, scary things. And more than anything, quite frankly, the storm itself is not the problem. It's the 48 to 72 hours after where when you get hit directly, everything's either flooded or there are trees down or there are power lines down or – in some extreme cases, even worse. So I can't really jump on Florida for that, and I think folks that are really jumping on them have never had the pleasure of being potentially directly hit by a large hurricane, and I kind of feel like that makes their opinion invalid. But that's just my opinion, and uh, let's shift away from my soliloquy. Drew, uh, I've got, I, we have worked out the gremlins. We are here live. How you doing this evening, buddy? Good, Thomas. It's always good to be on with you, man. I have to say, Drew, you managed to come on right as I started my hurricane soliloquy. I am uh, – I can't blame Florida. I'm sure you heard a chunk of it. But now they get two bye weeks. Who'd have thunk it? Can Alabama well, buy out UT Chattanooga for their an extra bye week before Auburn? I'll take it. <laughs> well, obviously, Joe Oliva, who's a pinhead, uh, by the way, and who – I really was the it, 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 all, everyone in this situation deserves blame. Uh, Greg Sankey should have handled it with a with an iron fist. Um, he he should have uh, made them play Sunday or Monday. But I you know I had Brent Beard on my show this morning talking ball, and Brent is in Jacksonville, Florida, and he talked to someone close to the Gator program, and they were still claiming they would not have had enough uh, first responders or or uh, personnel to work the games as far as uh, you know uh, for the the betterment and the safety of everyone. Uh, because they were stretched so thin, and and that may very well be true, but uh, I and, and again I think Jeremy Foley didn't want to play the game because they were a beat up football team, uh, but really and honestly, uh, and uh, the 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 uh, the one that deserves I think the most ridicule is uh, Joe Oliva because of the way he acted, uh, and then bringing Alabama into the conversation, basically admitting that they're in your head uh, by saying, oh yeah, well well okay. <laughs> If uh, if we're not if we're gonna, if, if uh, we're not going to have a bye week, then I don't want Alabama to. What are we supposed to do? Reschedule Chattanooga for that week? I mean, uh, come on, coach. I mean, uh, they, Oliva's been the athletic director there since '08. 
He basically fired the winningest head coach in the history of the school because he couldn't beat Alabama. What's he going to do? Uh, Ed Orgeron, if he, uh, if he beats Alabama, give him a five-year contract on the spot. And it sounds like it to me. But uh, still, I just I really thought he acted like a clown in the whole process. And, and he got his way, and I didn't, I didn't mind Jeremy Foley taking some shots at him. Uh, and, you know, they didn't want to play three straight road games. Well, boo-hoo, things happen. You know, and, and the thing that made me the maddest is LSU is 2-2, two and two, Thomas. They're not going to the playoff. They're still in the SEC race. But if you don't play this game, you're ineligible, and you should be. But, again, think, uh, just, you're sitting here whining, and I, and, I, and I hate to say this, anything's possible, and Coach O could run the, the, uh, you know, the table and, and uh, get them to Atlanta, but it's very, very doubtful. So, in other words, just go out there and compete, see where the chips fall where they may, and worry about getting a new football coach instead of trying to screw this season up when yours is already in the crapper in a way. I can see that. And, Drew, I hate to pat myself on the back, but my, my tweet from yesterday or the day before, you know the conversation, the LSU-Florida conversation has jumped the shark when somehow Alabama is involved. Exactly. It always comes back to Alabama because they, they're not Alabama. They want to be Alabama so badly. And I got to give Coach McElwain a lot of credit. He took the high road and said they'll, they'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. And I hope they go uh, to Baton Rouge and light LSU up. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I, I'm a Florida fan that weekend, for sure. I, you know, but, you know, and, uh, and of course Tennessee does too because it's the only way they'll control their own destiny because, in my opinion, they're about to go down for a tenth straight time. I find it humorous that a lot of people now, because they watched Alabama struggle against Arkansas, just assume that it's going to be a shootout against Tennessee. Uh, I, you know, I had uh, Danny Parker on my show from Inside Tennessee, and we will replay that conversation later today. He's still picking the balls 41 to 38. And all I'll say about that is, if that happened, I'd want three coaches fired on the defensive side of the ball for the University of Alabama because there is no way Tennessee should score 41 points on Alabama and West Alabama turns it over four or five times and I guess anything is possible but if that is the only chance Tennessee has in this game are you there Thomas do I have you Thomas are you there Thomas Sorry, Drew. I was I was in a screening room. Oh, sorry. I, I apologize. That, that, no, that's on me. I, I've tried to wear too many hats. But uh, what was your question? I'll, uh, I can respond. I apologize. Uh, no, no problem. I, I just said the only uh, my my uh, statement was the only way Tennessee is going to win this game is if uh, they have about uh, that Alabama has four or five turnovers because I just think Alabama is better in all three phases. Uh, I heard someone today say that they thought, uh, and he was an ESPN expert, Casey Joyner, he thought that Tennessee had better special teams than Alabama, and uh, that's ridiculous. There's no way uh, that they have uh, better special teams, in my opinion. I think Eddie Jackson's a better punt returner than anybody Tennessee's got. I think J.K. Scott's a much better punter than what Tennessee's going to put out there. I'll, I'll, I'll hold Adam Griffith up against their kicker as a wash. Uh, so, to me, Alabama's stronger uh, in every phase, and I just think the only way that it's going to be close is if uh, the tide is sloppy. Well, you know, we'll talk a lot more about Tennessee as we go through the show, but I feel like it's going to be a close game just because the resiliency of this Tennessee football team has been surprising. If you take just Alabama versus Tennessee on paper, particularly given that almost certainly three of Tennessee's top four defenders are not going to play due to injury. 
on paper, Alabama should win this by three or four touchdowns. Let, let's just be realistic. I mean, they just dismissed a fifth-year starter at defensive tackle. who He was the one that got hurt in the Texas A&M game. Danny O'Brien. Danny O'Brien, thank you. Uh, Jalen Reeves-Maben might have been the best, one of the best linebackers in the country. He's gone. Cam Sutton was easily their number one defensive back. He's gone. So – and that's just the tip of the iceberg. The the starting center that was the starting guard, he uh, he is hurt. I think his name's Wiseman. I'm terrible yes. with names today, Drew. I'm sorry. Danny Wiseman, yeah. Um, Dan, you know he's going to almost certainly not play because he got his head knocked off by uh, somebody in Texas A&M. That was one of the scarier plays that I've seen. Just as a third party fan, when a guy goes goes to stand up and just collapses. So. It's just on paper, it looks like a mismatch, but I, I, I that the resiliency of Tennessee, I, I want to see how Alabama responds to that. You know, one thing I'm going to ask Fish when we get him on here is, as a former player, how big is fatigue for this Tennessee team? Because something that hasn't been talked about, you mentioned the ESPN analyst, how big a deal is it that Tennessee has played three tough games in a row heading into this very talented Alabama team, Drew. So that, that's really something that I want to hear Fish's take on. But why don't we go in and get him on? What, what say you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the conversation, uh, no doubt about it, and getting Fish on with us and wondering what his thoughts are on this Tennessee game. I know I was speaking with him yesterday. He really likes Alabama in the contest. So we're going to have to see. Uh, what happens there with uh, uh, with this game? I, I think Alabama is just better. Including, I know they're talking. They're giving Josh Dobbs a lot of credit, and he's having an excellent senior season. Though he has had made his share of mistakes, but I think uh, I would take Jalen Hurts all day long over Josh Dobbs. He's just a freshman, uh, but from what he's uh, uh, you just shown, it's been amazing to watch. Uh, no doubt about it. And uh, I'm I'm really anxious to see kind of what happens here. Uh, with all this, and uh, and I would I would and and I really think Alabama has a chance to uh, to to uh, I mean not win super easily, but I still think they have a chance, good shot to win this football game. All right, and now uh, uh, we got him on the uh, Sun Belt Tents hotline. William Redfish Barger now with us on this edition of Bams Radio. We've been uh, you know a taped edition the last couple of weeks, not live. We're live this week. William, uh, good evening. How are you? Doing great, Drew. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well, man, and I know you and I were talking yesterday off the air, and uh, we were just discussing this Alabama-Tennessee matchup, and there's a lot of people, you know, and as this week has, uh, you know, gone on that are now convincing themselves that this is Tennessee's year and they're going to beat Alabama, but I'm I'm just telling you right now, I I feel like, uh, especially when you tell me that Jalen Reeves-Maben is out for the year, about to have shoulder surgery, I don't, I, you know, the, the middle linebacker, uh, Kirkland, I think he's he's got a high ankle sprain. He's you know practiced this week or tried, but not done a whole lot. And then uh, Cam Sutton's out with a foot injury. I just don't see how this defense is going to stop an offense right now that's getting better every week and averaging a, an SEC leading 45 points per game. Well, you know, I think you have to kind of look at what this this Tennessee defensive unit did when they had. Danny O'Brien, and they had Jalen Reeves-Maven, and they had Kirkland, and they had Ken Sutton. You know, it was a porous unit, uh, even when they had those guys. Um, you know, a very pedestrian Georgia offense, um, what, three weeks ago, um, you know, rushed for 200 yards against that front seven. 
and that was with Danny O'Brien and Jalen Reeves Maven and Kirk. Uh, all three of those guys are gone now. And, you know, look at what Texas A&M uh, did last week. You know, they rushed for 350 yards. Um, you know, I, I do respect and appreciate the way, you know, that Tennessee team has been so resilient and has, you know, kind of, um, you know, on both sides of the ball, they, they, they've stepped up to the plate and they, they've won some ball games that they probably didn't deserve to win. Um, you know, based on their first-half performances. But, you know, you have to give them credit for responding the way that they have in the second half. But, you know, the thing that I look at is this. Um, I think that Alabama is superior um, to this Tennessee team on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And what I mean by that is I think that Alabama's offensive line will win the matchup with Tennessee's defensive front seven. And I think that Alabama's defensive front seven will win the battle with Tennessee's offensive line. And, you know, if you really look at the stats, um, you know, Jalen Hurts, as a true freshman, is performing at a higher level. When when you break it down, I thought Kevin Skarbinski, who I know a lot of Alabama fans thinks is an Alabama hater, um, he, he came out with an article today where, you know, he, he you know, did a great job of, propping up Joshua Dobbs for all the good things that he does bring to college football. You know, extremely smart young man. Uh, you know, he's kind of put this team on his back, um, you know, and carried them, made a lot of big plays. But if you break it down on a play-for-play uh, comparison, you know, Hertz has uh, more, more yards per carry rushing attempts um, he's got a higher yards per passing attempt uh, a percentage, a better completion percentage. You know, if you look at the touchdown to interception ratio, um, he's ahead there as well. Um, he's taken much less sacks, which I think is a, you know, kind of a, a dual complement to both, you know, Hurts' scrambling ability, also to, you know, the Alabama offensive line pass blocking ability. Um, so, you know, the way I see this thing playing out is I think Tennessee is going to make a pretty salty game for two to two and a half quarters. But I really do think come uh, halfway through the third quarter, I just think that Alabama, top to bottom, when you look at both teams' rosters, I think they're more talented. I think they've got better depth. And uh, I kind of expect Alabama to pull away you know, somewhere between the, the seven-minute mark in the third quarter. And uh, I expect a, you know, 10 to 17-point differential in the final whistle sounds. And I agree with that, William. There's no doubt about it. This is a banged-up football team. I mean, you are, we, we talked about Cam Sutton, and uh, we talked about Jalen Reeves-Maven. They're out of this game. Jalen Hurd coming back from an undisclosed upper body injury, uh, though it looks like Alvin Kamara may have taken his job. Uh, Kirkland, as we said, he might play guard Jay Sean Robertson. Uh, and then we already said Dylan Wiseman, pardon me, I think I, I called him Danny, but Dylan Wiseman, as uh, Thomas said, had his helmet knocked off and missed most of the football game with what looked like a much more severe concussion than either Reuben Foster or, in my opinion, uh, uh, Shank Taylor had. And it looks like Shank Taylor will miss the game, but I know – you're probably in my boat. I, you know, no disrespect to Shank, but I don't think Alabama's going to miss anything with Lester Cotton at right guard. 
No, and I think, you know, one of the, the great things about, you know, this season that I've seen unfold um, is, is just how talented the, the 2016 recruiting class has proven to be. I mean, you've got, you know, Jalen Hurts starting at quarterback. You know, you've got Joshua Jacobs back there at running back. But but I think really the 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 untold story about this 2016 Alabama football team, um, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but, you know, we've had this conversation for two years now, Drew, um, it is what Jonah Williams has been able to do at the right tackle position. Um, and mark my words, uh, he is going to end up being three years from now the best offensive lineman that has ever played at Alabama. And I'm even including John Hanna into that equation. Um, well, what that guy brings to the table um, from a teammate standpoint, from a talent standpoint, um, is just absolutely off the charts. Um, you know, if you go back and watch that play against Arkansas, um, you know, where he's 40 yards down the field um, after taking care of his guy at the point of attack and goes down there and ear holes in Arkansas DB as Damian Harris runs right by him. Um, you know, he's playing at a higher level as a true freshman than Cam Robinson is, who's going to be a top 15 uh, first-round draft pick, you know, next May. Um, and I think that's where the talent differential takes over in this game between Alabama and Tennessee. I just think that, um, you know, the, the, you know Tennessee, you know, if they didn't have all these injuries, I think that they could match up pretty well with Alabama with, with their first 11 on both sides of the football. But the difference in this game is Alabama is just much deeper, much more talented, and they don't have the injury issues that Tennessee does. They don't, and I think that's a huge part of this game. And that's why I just don't think defensively that they're going to be able to hold up over four quarters. And I think this Alabama offense is continuing to get better. Um, you know, I, I really think uh, – and I think defensively, Coach Saban was kind of trying to set a tone at his press conference yesterday, William, uh, kind of talking about being complacent. And then I think he doesn't want this team to uh, kind of pull what they did in 2010. They escaped in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, and then uh, went into South Carolina and laid an egg because they kind of thought they could turn it on any time. And I think he wants this team to play better. And uh, from what I understand, uh, especially from Marlon Humphrey, who struggled a little bit last game, he was not happy outside the locker room and understood that. And I think this secondary, a lot of people are calling them out, and uh, they've got a chance to make a statement on uh, Saturday afternoon. Well, and, you know, I think if you really start looking at, you know, what happened in that Arkansas game, Drew, um, you know, the first team secondary, uh, you know, didn't really play that bad, um, you know, in in the first three quarters. You know, you know Austin Allen, and I'm not taking anything away from him. He's going to cause a lot of problems um, as fish as efficient as he is as a quarterback and as accurate as he is. Um, and you got to give him tons of credit for, you know, just getting absolutely knocked down every other time that he threw the football. And, you know, he not only got up, but he threw the ball with, with accuracy. 
Um, but I think if you kind of, you know, look at that game and, and, you know, break it down and grade it the way that a coach would, you know, 150 yards of, of what Austin Allen got was actually against the second and third team defense. Um, you know, there were guys like Terrell Hall and, you know, Shaheen Carter, uh, you know, in there in the fourth quarter when, when they, you know, got some of the stuff that they did. And as a coach, I understand that, you know, Nick Saban expects, you know, the next guy up to perform at the same level as the starters. But, you know, let's be honest, you know, that game was out of hand at halftime. And, you know, that that is human nature. Um, when that happens, you know, you do tend to kind of take your, you know, your foot off the gas. Uh, you know, the Alabama offense kind of went out there and slopped around in the third quarter, um, you know, to a certain extent. There were a lot of three and outs. So, you know, the game is, is a team game. So, you know, as the offense, um, you know, doesn't doesn't extend plays and move the chains, it puts more pressure on the defense. And, and, you know, I think, you know, if you look at it and you say, well, you know, the stats say this, well, yeah, they do. But they're a little bit skewed because, you know, that's just human nature for guys to take their foot off the gas when stuff like that happens. But at the same time, um, you know, the thing that I was focused on, um, you know, was in it was in the fourth quarter uh, when they put a, a, you know, a true freshman five-star Jack linebacker slash defensive end in the game um, in Terrell Hall. He had eight snaps, and in those eight snaps, he generated one quarterback snap and three other quarterback pressures in eight snaps. Um, so, you know, what that tells me is, you know, this is the guy um, that's going to allow the movement next year for Anthony Jennings to go to defensive end. You're going to probably see Christian Miller take over for Tim Williams at the Sam linebacker position. Jennings is going to, you know, um, migrate over to defensive end, and then you're going to have Terrell Hall be the guy that slides in there and takes over for Ryan Anderson. And I think that's a big, big positive, um, you know, for Alabama. And that's something that I'm very guilty of. Um, I don't get so much lost in the moment when I'm watching an Alabama football game, especially live. But where I do get lost in the moment is when I watch it for the second or third time and I see the next wave of talent at Alabama, you know, coming in there and doing stuff. And, you know, this was against a guy, you know, by the name of Dan Skipper, um, who's, you know, being forced to play left tackle for Arkansas this year. But we'll play right tackle in the NFL for probably several years. And, and a, you know, an 18-year-old true freshman, Terrell Hall, you know, had eight reps against him and won, um, you know, five of those battles without a doubt. You know, got one sap and uh, three quarterback hurries. And it makes you just uh, just shake your head and, and wonder because of how good he could be, William, in six months after he goes through the strength and conditioning program. Absolutely, and I think that's what you have to, you know, the, the people out there, you know, that's what frustrates me so much about our fan base, Drew, is, you know, you, you wake up on Sunday morning or Monday morning and you, you read this stuff about, well, you know, Jalen Hurts has to get better at hitting, you know, tight end and wide receivers in stride. Um, you know, 
when I saw Jalen Hurts go to Old Miss and basically, in my opinion, get knocked slap out, uh, yeah. you know, with that, that sack that he got to the chin, uh, the fact that he got up from it, number one, impressed me. Uh, the fact that he trotted off the field, number two, impressed me. And the fact that he came back on the next drive and let a touchdown drive tells me, as a former offensive lineman, all I need to know about the chemistry that makes up who Jalen Hurts really is. Um, you know, they were down by, if memory serves me right, 23 to or 24 points. And, you know, mm-hmm. this guy led, you know, one touchdown drive after the other. So, if he's able to do that against a comparable – well, it's not even comparable. Old Miss's defense is better than Tennessee's. If he's able to go to Oxford, Mississippi, and survive that, why would you ever be worried about him going to Neyland Stadium and doing it versus a wounded uh, a Tennessee defense that's missing their – you know, best defensive tackle, best linebacker, best DB. Um, you know, again, if you don't believe in the guy, which which I certainly don't, I, I believe in him. Um, but, you know, he's going to go up there and he's going to execute at a high level. Um, he's going to make plays. Uh, he's going to, you know, tuck the ball and run when there's nobody to throw to. Uh, or he's going to throw the ball out of bounds. Uh, but mm-hmm. I really do think there's an opportunity for this Alabama offense. If you look at what Texas A&M did to Tennessee last weekend, they were able to gash this defense for 350 yards. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts and Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough can do the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I think this Alabama O-line is getting better and, and I know Cam Robinson had gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but he seems to be settling in. And, William, you and I both know these next two weeks for him are huge, and he can make a lot of money uh, if he can handle Derek Barnett and Miles Garrett uh, in consecutive weeks. Well, and I think that's a great point, Drew. And if you go back and you look at um, the last two years of work, um, and I, I can't remember if this, you know, it's either one of them. Um, was over Cam Robb or if this was done, you know, last year versus Dominic Jackson, who, you know, really had no business being a right tackle in the SEC. But if you go and look at the stats, uh, Miles Garrett has one career sack and two starts versus Alabama, and so does Derek Barnett. So why would you worry about what Cam Robinson can do, not only this week versus Derek Barnett, or next week versus Miles Garrett. And I can promise you this. Uh, the guy on the other side of the ball at right tackle is not going to struggle with either one of them. And I'm talking about Jonah Williams. Well, Fish, I, I know you probably heard this question right before you were sitting in our little waiting room. But uh, as a former player, Tennessee's obviously been through three tough games leading into this game. How big a factor is fatigue as Tennessee plays their fourth-ranked team in a row going coming up this weekend? Thomas, I think it's a huge deal. And I think that's why you saw Alabama last year struggle the way that they did against Tennessee. Because the, the script's kind of been flipped. What Alabama had to deal with last year leading up to the Tennessee game 
you know, that script's been flipped over onto Tennessee's lap this year. And it's a huge deal, um, especially when you factor in that their game versus Texas A&M last week, you know, went in double overtime. And, you know, they've lost, you know, two more starters in that game. But everybody else on both sides of the ball were out there for five hours. I mean, I think that's a huge deal. Um, you know, and, and I think that's something that you really have to, you know, factor in, uh, you know, when Alabama goes up to Neyland Stadium, you know, Alabama was really not tested beyond the first quarter against Arkansas. You know, they, they you know, and they're guilty of this. You know, they kind of put, you know, took their foot off the gas and, you know, relaxed a little bit and were afforded the opportunity where they played a lot of young guys in the fourth quarter. Well, I can promise you this, Tennessee was not in that same position, um, you know, last week in College Station. And I think that's a huge advantage for Alabama. You know, the, the, you know, and again, it's hard for me to relate to because 30 years ago when I was playing college football, you know, the average, the average game that lasted for three hours, even against passing teams. Um, you know, that, that matchup Saturday – you know, with Tennessee and, and Texas A&M, you know, it lasted for five hours. You know, that's almost two games basically being played in one. And I think that's a huge advantage for Alabama. And it very well could be, William. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Tennessee's having to run a gauntlet that uh, that Alabama had to last year, but Alabama found a way to win because they had enough depth and talent. And, and we really saw Jake Coker and Ardarius Stewart come of age uh, in that contest now. And, and I, I was uh, just checking checking Twitter. Uh, Nick Saban's having his radio show, and he just paid Jalen Hurts a huge compliment because he said, as a true freshman, just what he's done that's amazed Coach Saban is he does not turn the ball over with only two interceptions, and we know uh, one of them this past week against Arkansas was because he got hit before he threw. Well, and I, I liken that turnover, Drew, to the to the one that he got against Ark. I mean, uh, old Miss, um, mm-hmm. you know, when he got ear holes. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing that makes Jalen Hurts such a special player. You know, I, I've had people – you know, kind of come at me because I've been such a, you know, a Jalen Hurts fanboy going all the way back to his junior year. And they're like, well, you know, you're you're biased and, and, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know, no, I'm really not. I'm just relaying what I see this guy do and what he has done, um, you know, for the last three years going all the way back to his junior year of high school. Um, You know, I would wake up at, at midnight uh, you know, to go take a piss. And, and you know, I'll, let me log on to the Houston Chronicle website and see what Jalen Hurts, you know, uh, as a junior, you know, what he did on Friday night. And it was like, you know, fr- from that point in time all the way up until uh, the Arkansas game last weekend. Um, and, and, you know, I still don't think that Lane Kiffin is, is utilizing him the way that he should. And what I mean by that is I'm not, you know, I'm the biggest Lane Kiffin fan in the world as far as a play caller and a quarterback developer. But, you know, what this kid did um, at Channel View High School playing for his father was, when, you know, when I would wake up at midnight and log in to the Houston Chronicle, 
it was 250 yards passing for two touchdowns, 150 yards rushing for two touchdowns. And now after I've said that, just, you know, go back and look through the first six games of this season and and look at what Jalen Hurts has done as a true freshman, you know, in the SEC playing for the number one program in the country. Um, I think the 250 yards passing and two touchdowns has certainly held up. You know, the rushing yards really still aren't there, but I think that probably is a byproduct of, you know, Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin not really wanting him to get hit numerous times um, through an SEC schedule, but he's still capable of that. And, you know, like last week versus Arkansas, um, you know, I think he rushed for 50 yards. But, you know, those two big plays that he had for rushing touchdowns, um, you know, in the red zone certainly factors in with that. But, you know, this kid is amazing to me. He doesn't get rattled. Um, he doesn't panic. Um, you know, he, he's he's done so much. You know, there's a reason why, you know, he's won the, the Davey O'Brien Committee Award three times out of six games that he's played for, for being one of the top eight quarterbacks a week from them. You know, now he's a Manning Award, uh, you know, on the watch list for them. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't think that gets celebrated enough by Alabama fans. I mean, this this kid is amazing. We're talking about somebody that when he was six foot one, 200 pounds, as a junior in high school, um, he basically went into a powerlifting meet, squatted 600 pounds, and deadlifted 600 pounds. Um, as an offensive lineman weighing 295 pounds, um, I could squat 600, but I couldn't pull 600. Mm-hmm. Um, this kid's amazing to me. And I think that needs to be celebrated more, um, you know, amongst the Alabama fan base versus people saying, well, you know what, he's not hitting wide receivers or tight ends in stride. Well, guess what? Look, look forward a little bit and look how good this guy's going to be. Um, a year from now, when he gets adjusted to the speed of his receivers and tight ends in the college game. Um, you know, there's never been, Drew, a true freshman quarterback that's won a national championship. But there's also never been one uh, six games into their true freshman season that's been six and up. Yeah, and the only one that's ever won one, William. None, nobody, you're right, nobody in the SEC has. But Jamel Holloway did for Oklahoma back in 1985, but he's the only one. And I saw Jamel Holloway play, great runner, not much of a passer. Uh, Jalen Hurts right. is already better than him. And I got to tell you, too, with Jalen, the power lifter showed up in him. And I thought it was really remarkable play that nobody's really talking about, William. But I know you remember that second touchdown run against Arkansas where the defender took his helmet nearly off on with his, with the face mask, and he pulled, And instead of going down, he was able to power his way through that and still score. Yeah, and I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm giving him a little bit of an out because I understand that uh, as an offensive lineman, you've got your your eyes downfield and, and you're trying to identify what's going on. Um, you know that play where. 
uh, the, the Arkansas defender, um, you know, jumped up on top of his neck and, and, and you know, kind of rubbed his face in the turf a little bit. I would have loved oh, yeah. to have seen Jonah Williams or Cam Robinson or Bradley Bozeman, um, you know, ear hole that bastard for, for doing that to Jalen Hurts. But, again, I think that just plays into um, who he is as a player and, and how he's, um, you know, kind of, you know, morphed himself into, you know, being a leader of this team. You know, he got up from that, that you know, what clearly was a cheap shot that didn't get called, um, walked off the field and came back back on the next series and, you know, led them to, uh, you know, a touchdown. And uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about this kid. Um, you know, I, I think if you look at it, he started off in the spring as the fourth-team quarterback. You know, Cooper Bateman was number one. Uh, Blake Barnett was number two. Cornwell was number three. He was the fourth-team quarterback. And and he has passed every test that has been put in front of him. And, and, you know, I, go, I keep going back to the old Miss game and, you know, watching what he did um, in a hostile environment. And even though, you know, there's going to be probably 30,000 more people in Neyland Stadium Saturday – than there was in Oxford a month ago. Um, you, you just see him pass every test every week. And, uh, you know, it's 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 very uh, humbling for me to watch because, you know, I am such a huge Alabama fan. But at the same time, I think you have to kind of sit there and say, um, if he's able to do this right now, and, and you, have to, you have to put this into perspective. He just turned 18 years old three months ago. Um, he's still a baby. He, he should, you know, uh, and, he, and he's, he's, he's quarterbacking, he's captain, you know, the offensive side of the football for the number one program in the country. You know, just exactly what is he going to be capable of next year or two years from now or three years down the road? I, I just think that, um, you know, it's not just him. You know, it's, it's Jonah Williams at right tackle. It's uh, Josh Jacobs at running back. Um, I just think that, uh, you know, Nick Saban and the Alabama coaching staff hit an absolute out-of-the-park home run um, with the 2016 recruiting class. And, William, I I wanted to welcome now on the Sunbelt Inns hotline a good friend of ours. Uh, He's joining BAM's radio for the first time. We wanted to talk with him as he's – journeying to Knoxville for a few minutes uh, before the top of the hour, and that is Aaron Suttles with Tide Sports. Aaron, welcome to the conversation with uh, myself and William Redfish Barger, and uh, we're talking about Jalen Hurts a lot tonight, and I know you've been uh, amazed at uh, this young man also. Uh, I don't see how you can be objective or any, anything else, even if you're not an Alabama fan. I don't see how you look at Jalen Hurts and are just flat out not amazed um, by this young man. And I, I listen, I've been, it feels like I've been singing his praises for four or five months now, but he deserves every bit of it because when I was 18 years old, I did, I may not have the maturity level now that this kid has at 18. I mean, the remarkable <laughs> maturity, the poise of this kid, something bad happened to me and I, and I get anxious and I freak out. 
this kid gets rocked, blindsided, probably targeted helmet to helmet, and doesn't miss a beat. And I just we're, – we're watching something special. I mean, there are a lot of people that have a lot of ability. Alabama – if you're recruited by Alabama, you've got a ton of ability. You're probably one of the best in the country at what you do. Not everybody has that kind of poise and maturity, and it's, it's pretty remarkable to watch. It really is. And, and Aaron, uh, I, it's also been remarkable to watch the, the, the quick development of Joshua Jacobs. And we got a taste uh, of uh, what he was continuing to evolve into uh, this past Saturday night, a 56-yard ripoff. Uh, then he did injure his elbow and was, did not return to the game, so we didn't get a chance to see, uh, you know, what he could have done the rest of that football game. But I've been almost as impressed with him as, as uh, Jalen Hurts. He, he's been remarkable. I've been singing this kid's praises uh, since this past December when he became on the recruiting scene. But uh, I know uh, Damian Harris has been tremendous, but Joshua Jacobs, I think we're just starting to get a taste of what he could become, and that's scary when you put him with Jalen Hurts. Uh, for another two or three seasons for Alabama. Question, I say this with all due respect to, to Damian Harris, who's had tremendous, tremendous improvement from last year to this year. A lot of that credit probably goes to Burton Burns. But, but Damian's got a great ability of his own. Joshua Jacobs is a is an explosive running back who checks all the check marks. I mean, he's got the explosiveness through the hole. He's got the vision. Uh, he's got the footwork. He can make the cuts. That one run you mentioned, the big one against uh, Arkansas last Saturday night, we saw that how quickly he got through the hole. He runs through arm tackles. He's like a complete running back, and he's only going to get better. So, as as William said, you're talking about three impact freshmen right there, and Jonah Williams, Joshua Jacobs, Jalen Hurts, uh, and then look at what Trayvon Martin, uh, Trayvon Diggs could do in the future. Shaheen Carter. Um, that recruiting class is uh, is pretty pretty special. And I know uh, it, it really could be. And uh, and we, even we even talked about this guy, Aaron, uh, coming on before you came on with us. The, the way Terrell Hall ended that game, uh, coming in uh, and rushing the quarterback, we, I, I was really impressed with him physically when we saw him in fall camp. And I know you've had a chance to observe him too. I, once he's in the weight room in six months, I can't wait to see this guy. He, he just started to whet people's appetites too. I think this recruiting class – has a chance from a physical standpoint to be as good as the 08 one. And, you know, that's saying a lot. We know that one set the tone for what we're seeing now. Yeah, Terrell Hall, just just look at that kid. He's a prototypical edge rusher in the NFL now, and he's only going to get bigger and stronger. And Alabama fans, if you want to, you know, drool at the, at the mouth a little bit, think about pairing him with Anthony Jennings for the next two or three years. And uh, that's a special outside pass rush they got the capability of having. And you know, a couple other freshmen, you know, look at what Mac Wilson has done this year. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I missed on this kid. I, I wasn't overly impressed with him, his film coming out of high school. Not that I didn't think he was a great athlete. He just never flashed to me in a game. But um, I was wrong. This kid has, has come in, and it's not easy to make your mark in that defense or even carve out a role for yourself as a freshman. And the fact that they thought enough of him to, hey, on goal line situation, we're going to put a true freshman in the block. They have an awful, awful lot of trust in him, and he's got quite a bit of athleticism. Um, this recruiting class is, is just stocked full of guys that uh, that make me shake my head, quite frankly. And then, well, William, you know, Aaron, I'd like I, to have your, think, your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, William. Oh, no, no, but I, I was going to piggyback on what Aaron said, Drew. Um, I think when you look at this recruiting class, and I think that, you know, Alabama fans have kind of been, you know, romanticized to a certain extent, thinking that, 
that 2008 recruiting class is the gold standard. But if you really go back and you look at it, there were a ton of busts, um, you know, in that recruiting class. It was probably top-heavy. You know, yeah, you had the, the Julio Jones and you had the Mark Barron and you had the, the Barrett Jones. But if you go back and really look at it, I think they signed 27 or 28 kids, if memory serves me right. But there were 15 or 16 guys that, that really filtered out of the program very quickly. But if you look at this 2016 class with Jalen Hurts, Gibbs B.J. Emmons, uh, Jonah Williams, you know, you, you've got Miller Forrestal factoring in. You've got Diggs factoring in. Uh, Terrell Hall, like what Aaron just talked about. And I credit that more to Nick Saban than anybody. You know, you sign a guy that, you know, and Mac Wilson, the, the people, you know, and I, I'm with Aaron on, on that. Um, I, I was on the fence with, you know, both Matt Wilson and Ben Davis being labeled five stars. I just didn't see the production from them in games um, to deserve that ranking. But, you know, Nick Saban said, you know, hey, uh, you're not going to get on the field and, and, you know, get to play inside linebacker at Alabama this year with Reuben Foster and, and Keith Holcomb and Sean Dion Hamilton and uh, even Rashawn Evans, you know, filling in there. Um, would you like to play another position? And he shows up and he turns into a very productive member of the offense at fullback. I, I think this 2016 recruiting class has got a chance to really rewrite the record books, um, you know, as far as what from top to bottom. And, you know, even talking about guys like Terrell Hall and, you know, some, some guys that are, you know, kind of, behind the eight ball with the depth chart and, and, you know, like Shaheen Carter and uh, Raekwon Davis, you know, that's a guy that's got huge upside that's, you know, still trying to learn how to be a productive, you know, three-down defensive lineman. Um, To me, at least, on the surface, I think this 2016 recruiting class is already proving to be better than the 2008 class. That's saying a lot. And, and Aaron, uh, speaking of uh, this 2016 class and the impact they've had on this team, uh, they'll play, there'll be a lot of those guys playing big roles on uh, Saturday afternoon in Knoxville. Just your thoughts on this uh, Tennessee-Alabama uh, matchup and uh, Alabama going for 10 in a row. It's only happened one other time with an 11-game streak, and uh, it's, t- it's, 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 a, you know, it's a chance for them to do some special things. Yeah, listen, I give Tennessee a ton of respect. That that team has a ton of heart, and I, I, I find it remarkable every week they find themselves in the hole with the roster they have, but they, they do it to themselves. But they have the wherewithal to come back and fight. Um, I just look at this as a game of matchups, and Tennessee's offensive line um, is going to have a very difficult time holding up against that Alabama pass rush. And, you know, what, what we saw from Jeremy Pruitt last week I felt bad for Austin. Now they, they recognized right away. I, I imagine they turned on the film of that Arkansas offensive line and saw a weakness with that left guard and, and maybe saw the center being out for a couple of days because they blitzed right up the middle. And there were times Austin Allen had no shot. Um, I question whether they'll go with the same kind of game plan because if you don't get the right kind of run, run fit, then Josh Dobbs is going to score it up the field for 20, 30 yards on you. So I, they're going to they're pressure him. I don't know how they're going to pressure him. 
and uh, if if he if they can't run the football and, and he has to throw the ball a lot, Alabama's going to beat him up. They're going to hit him, and they're going to take take the ball away a couple times. Uh, I just don't see how four quarters that offensive line is going to hold up to that outstanding Alabama pass rush. I, I like Alabama in this by by ten to seventeen points actually. Yes. It's funny, Aaron. You and Williams sound like thing. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was going to say I want to give I want to give Aaron I want to give Aaron some props. He wrote a great article um earlier this week about about Jeremy Pruitt's rise from being, you know, the you know, off the field coach at Alabama, you know, rising up to be the the DB's coach at Alabama. And I really thought he did a great job of of piecing um all the pieces together of, you know, Jeremy you know, getting that job with Florida State, and certainly he inherited a lot of great talent, uh, produced the number one defense at Florida State, went over to Georgia, you know, took them from 85th, I think, in the country under Todd Grantham in year one. Um, and, you know, by year two, before he came back to Alabama, he had, a, had the number seven defense. Um, I, I think that, that says a lot. Um, but I agree totally with Aaron on his game prediction. I really do think it's going to be a uh, 14 to 17 point deficit when the final whistle sounds in Knoxville Saturday. I agree. I've got it. I've got it around that. I've got it. Alabama 30, uh, Tennessee 17. I just think this Alabama offense has got too many weapons, and I think Alabama is going to be healthy enough. I think Reuben Foster will be in the lineup. They will be able to slow down the Tennessee running game. That's what they have to do first and then deal with these pass receivers. And I don't know what Aaron uh, – I'd get Aaron's thoughts on this. The secondary I know wasn't happy with how they played uh, and gave up too many big plays, and Coach Saban was not at all. And he, Coach Saban was very animated at his press conference yesterday. Uh, and, and we talked about this with William earlier, Aaron, but I really think the secondary has a lot to prove and may try to make a statement Saturday. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think a little bit. That number's been overblown. People are freaking out. I, I get it. You see your defensive backs giving up passes, and 400 yards is not a good number. But you have to put that number into context. I mean, they threw the ball 48 times. I mean, if you want to go yards per attempt, Jalen Hurts had a much better game. It's just that they had to throw the ball a lot more. They held them to 70-something yards rushing. Uh, he, he, they took the ball away from Austin Allen three times. Hootie Jones dropped one interception. Reuben Foster got his hands on another. That's a that's potential five interceptions in one game. And, and I know people are, are questioning the defensive backs, but, you know, if they have to throw it 48 times, what's that tell you? They're one-dimensional. And Alabama beat that quarterback up. There's not a lot of quarterbacks in the country that could have withstood the, the beating of Austin Allen. So, so I get people are upset about it and people are freaking out that, you know, now questioning is Marlin a first-round NFL draft pick. I, I, I just think you have to look at it. If the team's going to throw the ball 48 times, it tells me a couple things. One, they couldn't run the ball. And two, Alabama couldn't possess the ball. I mean, they ran 17 plays of offense in the second half. So that defense got a little worn down. One, because they couldn't get off the field on third down. And, and the offense didn't possess the ball. So I, I'm not as concerned as a second about other people. I think certainly 400 yards is not a number that uh, Derek Ainsley and Jeremy Pruitt and Nick Saban are happy with. But – I don't think they're particularly all overly concerned with it going forward either. 
and uh, I'm sure that they uh, they they're going to tweak some things. And uh, like you said, Aaron, uh, they did do the uh, the one the job of making the offense one dimensional. And now yeah, the thing that's kind of uh, amused me is uh, Josh Dobbs is a good football player, and their team has played with a lot of effort and tenacity. But I don't think this guy is in the class of a Johnny Manziel or or, or even a Chad Kelly or someone that has really uh, hurt Alabama early this year. I think uh, you know he he has the the ability to make plays, but I, I'm not sure he's a he's a good enough passer uh, and consistent enough to truly lead this team to victory. My my take is this: if Alabama protects the football and doesn't give Tennessee short field and turn the football over, I don't I'm like I just don't think there's any way Tennessee is uh, is uh, in this game in the end. I don't think they can stay within single digits if Alabama unless Alabama is sloppy and. And Nick Saban, I don't know if you heard us talk about this, Aaron, but Nick Saban just paid Jalen Hurts a big compliment on his radio show. He said Jalen Hurts is amazing because he doesn't turn the football over. And if he doesn't do it this week, I just think Alabama is going to roll in this game. Yeah, listen, credit Lane Kiffin for the game plan that he he calls up for Jalen Hurts. I know some advanced metrics sites have have criticized Jalen. He doesn't throw the ball very accurately downfield. That's because they're not asking him to. They're asking him to read one side of the field high-low, if it's not there, take off or throw the ball away. They're, they're calling a beautiful game plan for him. And the thing is, Alabama is good enough everywhere else. They can call. They can be very conservative on offense, protect a, a freshman quarterback, not leave him vulnerable. They're not asking him to read the middle of the field too much. Uh, and, and he's carving people up. And I think people have this image of A.J. McCarron, of 2013 A.J. McCarron, when he was making every throw and one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Well, picture A.J. in 2011 when he was a first-year starter. You have to earn that right to get more and more of the playbook and for the coaches to trust you, and that's what Jalen's doing. I think they're calling a beautiful game plan for him, making a very easy reads for him, very easy throws. He's only been intercepted twice. One of those came last week when he was hit. Basically just a big pop-up fumble is what that was. So, um, I agree. If Alabama doesn't turn the ball over, I don't think Joshua Dobbs is accurate enough with the football to dissect Alabama as long as they contain his runs. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to be have a difficult time staying in it because I I just think the Alabama pass rush is too much. I really do as well, and I just think Jonathan Allen. Uh, when you talk about Tim Williams, which we haven't even really mentioned him tonight, uh, Rashawn Evans, they can just come in waves, and I think they're going to wear down that Tennessee offensive line. I just don't think there's uh, any way that Tennessee is going to win this game. Uh, I just really think Alabama realizes what they what's at stake. And then, of course, with Tennessee, if they do uh, lose this game, they're going to be the biggest LSU fans known to man and, of course, be rooting against Florida for the rest of the season because they need Florida to drop one more game for them to control their own destiny uh, in the uh, Eastern Division, which is much weaker uh, than the West. But uh, I guess, Aaron, before we let you go, uh, yeah, I know you like Alabama in this game quite a bit. Uh, what, what are your uh, impressions of uh, Texas A&M, who would be Alabama's next opponent in, uh, in Tuscaloosa? You know, I think they're a solid football team. I've seen them a little bit versus Arkansas in the the Tennessee game, but they gave up 700 yards to Tennessee on on defense. And um, I I think they can be – although John John Chavis has certainly made them a better unit on the defensive side of the ball, um, 700 yards is 700 yards. That's a lot. And uh, that's with taking the ball away seven times from Tennessee. They still gave up 700 yards. So I think they're vulnerable on defense. Uh, But, you know, they got to – couple really good pass rushers in Hall and, and, and Garrett. They can get after the quarterback. But, um, listen, Alabama's the best team in the SEC, in my opinion. they got the best roster. The question marks coming into the season were running back and, and quarterback. And so far, 
those those concerns have been eased. They're by far the most complete team that I've seen. Uh, I get that I, I'm only watching Alabama every week, but I try to see the SEC teams that I can. And I, I think A&M's a very quality football team, but I don't think they're Alabama. Well, uh, that's a great way to end the segment, and uh, we will definitely catch up with you down the road, Aaron. We know you're uh, en route to Knoxville, Tennessee. We want to thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on BAMS with uh, myself and William Redfish Barger and our producer, Thomas Watts. Uh, really appreciate it, man, and uh, have a good evening. Guys, thanks so much for having me. Take care. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, William, are you still with us? Absolutely. And, and I, I think that uh, Aaron's you know, info was was very very telling. Um, right. You know, you view you know, and again, you gotta you gotta understand. You know, he's going to practice every day and you know, seeing stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you have to look at this and say, um, you know, if you're an Alabama fan, it's 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 real simple. Um, you know, you've got a burgeoning quarterback that's going to be a, a star down the road. Um, you've got Josh Jacobs, who's, you know, the best true freshman running back in college football. Then you float out there to the right tackle and you look at what Jonah Williams is doing. Uh, it's It's right there for you to look at. And look at it real hard. Um. They're going to be right there at the end of the year when everything, you know, you know, turns into the college football playoffs. And I think Aaron said the same thing probably with different language than what I did. Um, right. I think he did. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. And, hey, William, we got one more question from the chat room for you. Uh, they wanted to get your opinion on you've – uh, of what you've seen of Clemson, Ohio State, and Michigan, and how they compare to Alabama. You know, I'm a Southeastern Conference homer, and I totally admit that. But you know, if, if you if you look at what um, Michigan and Ohio State have done this year, um, you know, it's against the same common opponent, Wisconsin, and they have. A Gene Stallings offense. I mean, it's awful to watch. I watched it. You know, I watched the uh, Wisconsin versus LSU game. I watched, uh, you know, Wisconsin versus Michigan. And, you know, you have to sit there and wait on uh, Wisconsin versus Ohio State at the end of the year. Uh, No, Um, they're not on the same level as this Alabama team is. No way. Well, and Thomas, I know you've got some thoughts on that, too. Okay, sure. Uh, so, so let's go one, two, three. First off, Clemson. Uh, Clemson realistically should have lost to Louisville, and you can certainly argue that game should have been a blowout the other way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Clemson's offense is still really, really good but Clemson's defense has a ways to go in my mind. And when it comes to the Tigers, the only thing you've got really is a close game against Auburn and Louisville. And neither of those games did I leave saying, oh my gosh, this team is fantastic. I think it's flawed. I think its flaws are a little bit bigger 
than Alabama right now. Uh, going to Michigan, Michigan to me is one of those teams that who have they played? They right. they played a Wisconsin team, a surprise Wisconsin team. They played them really, really well, mm-hmm. and they probably should have won by more than they won by. But you know, fourteen seven against a team that nobody saw coming. Okay, let's pump the brakes on hyping them up really well. And then you go to Ohio State, and I think in college football, it's Alabama and it's Ohio State, and it's everybody else. I, I think Ohio State and Alabama are clearly better than everybody. Because the one thing Ohio State has in its back pocket is going into Norman, Oklahoma, and throttling an Oklahoma Sooners team that, for all of its warts, is really, really tough to beat in Norman, Oklahoma. And if you remember watching that game, like I watched that game you know, start to finish. Even though Ohio State only won by three touchdowns, they probably could have won by 60. That game was over halfway through the first quarter. It was oogly-boogly. So of the three that we're asked to compare to – I think Alabama and Ohio State are clearly above, and the specifics of which team does what, JT Barrett and Jalen Hurts, you have to give the nod somewhat to JT Barrett just because he does have more experience. Will that even out at, should Alabama and Ohio State see each other in the college football playoff? I think the major difference there will even out, and the other things you look at, Ohio State's front seven is dominant as all heck. I saw something on Twitter where they have a 99% tackle rate, which would be like the best over the past 10 years. They've only missed one tackle as a group through six games, which is ridiculous. But it still remains to be seen what happens with this Ohio State team when somebody punches them in the mouth. Does Wisconsin do it this weekend? I doubt it. The only team that I think could even potentially punch them in the mouth are, are Michigan and whoever they would see in the playoff. So, there's still some unknowns with Ohio State, too. So I would say Alabama compares favorably with all of them, and the only one to, in my mind that's really close is the Buckeyes. Absolutely. Well, that's an excellent take. And, William, we appreciate your time tonight. We're glad that you, uh, you joined us along with Aaron Suttles. It was a great conversation, and we look forward to catching up with you next week, man. And uh, we, we, it was cool that you, both you and Aaron are on the same wavelength, a 10- to 17-point win for the Tide. And great stuff tonight, as always. We appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. Uh, that's William Redfish Barger, and that's the end of our first hour, Thomas. So uh, we, we got a little bit of a late start because of gremlins with my computer. I want to apologize for that again to the audience. But we are going to take a little bit of five-minute break right here. When we come back, we're going to bring you a conversation I had. We always want to bring the other perspective in this big matchup. We're going to give you – I talked to Danny Parker from Inside Tennessee, part of the Scout.com network this morning. We wanted to bring you that conversation for those that may have missed it here on uh, BAMS Radio.
with my Dixieland tonight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, need the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turn it up and on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life. Munching on clover, red tail hawk sitting on a limb. Chubby old groundhog, croaking bullfrog, free as a feeling in the wind. Homegrown country girl, gonna give me a whirl on a Tennessee Saturday night. Lucky as a seven. Living in heaven with my Dixieland delight. Spend my dollar, park in a holler, meet the mountain moonlight. Hold her up tight, make a little loving, a little turtle dove in on a Mason Dixon night. It's my life. you just get back my uh, my audio board went kind of berserk so i figured i should take it but uh heck of a first hour uh, i have to say we've had billy from sunbelt inflatable tents uh in the back chat having a grand old time with me so it's been, it's been it was a good first hour and great great going with that conversation it really was and uh it's good to be back for our second hour of bams radio and as we talked about going into this uh as i'm watching sc network alabama front and center damian harris who's had a great, uh, you know, start to his year, and uh, this is their, their preview in the Alabama-Tennessee game. Speaking of Tennessee, as we told you, we were going to bring you a conversation I had with Danny Parker, who's a native of North Alabama, Hazel Green High School, and he works for Inside Tennessee, part of the Scout.com network. And this is our conversation from the Tennessee perspective, breaking down this storied rivalry's next chapter. Danny, welcome back to the program. How are you? 
Doing great, Drew. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, and I know I, I got to tell you, it's been quite a journey uh, for Tennessee. Um, I just I was like everyone else going into last week. I felt like if they dug a, a hole and got into a deficit against Texas A&M, they probably wouldn't be able to come back. But another just tremendous gutsy performance by Tennessee, but this time couldn't quite pull it out in double overtime. Yeah, that game looked like it had the makings of being a shootout somewhere in the second half, even though there weren't a ton of points in the first half. I think 28 altogether, something like that. But Tennessee just uh, was a turnover machine there. <laughs> they just kept coughing it up and coughing it up. I, I never seen anything like that, really. Uh, uh, and J- Josh Dobbs hit Jason Krim over the middle for a wide-open pass with a perfect throw. Somehow that turned into an interception. So that that was the most inner, uh, not really interception, but turnover-prone performance by Tennessee I've ever seen in my life and for them to even get to double overtime was darn near amazing and I think that probably has a lot to do with why they didn't move from their number nine spot in the AP poll the way they battled back and uh, almost scored nearly at will uh, as long as they weren't shooting themselves in the foot 684 total yards amazing uh, <laughs> uh, in in college station yeah it was uh, it was a sight to see and they proved a lot to, to Tennessee fans uh you know, the way they battled, the way they came back, in spite of the injuries, uh, uh, had several guys out going into the game, that Emmanuel Mosley, Malik Foreman, Dylan Wiseman, uh, Cortez McDowell, all those guys missed time during the game. Two of them did not return. Uh, so it's a, it was an impressive performance, a gutsy performance. Like you, I did not think that Tennessee could come all the way back because they fell behind early, and I, I predicted Tennessee to lose by 10 last week. So they, they showed me a little bit more than what I even thought they had to think. Yeah, and then what tussle. Uh, on the Trayvon Williams long run, it looked like that was going to put Tennessee away. Uh, but you just sure. never stopped competing, uh, and they were able to knock the ball out of the uh, back of the end zone, and that's what really sparked that comeback. And it just shows uh, what Bush Jones' continued mantra has been, and that's the resiliency and the guts of this group. Yeah, that was an amazing play. And I think uh, Tennessee's defensive coordinator, Bob Shoup, hit the nail on the head yesterday when he said that's a play that coaches are going to show their teams all over the country in different levels of football as a as a hustle play is to not give up like you said and, and for him to to run Travion down and, and to punch that out and to, to give Tennessee even a chance late was it was amazing I mean it, it almost felt like it was one of those team of destiny caps up moments when you you combine that with a caught Hail Mary in Athens to beat Georgia I mean it was it was almost like Tennessee was just going to find a way to win, but uh didn't happen. But, you know, still a, a shot to achieve all their goals to get to Atlanta and, and maybe beyond that. Absolutely. And then, again, when the, when the field goal was no good, I just felt like, well, okay, Tennessee is going to find a way to, to win this game. And they, <laughs> they, they weren't able to quite do it, though, uh, Danny. But uh, I, it still had to give them uh, confidence that this time uh, they go on the road for one of these comebacks uh, and are able to play that well in such a raucous environment in College Station, Texas. Yeah, that, that was a crazy environment. That's, that's By the way, Kyle Field may be the most impressive stadium I've ever seen in my life, regardless of sport. That, that thing's a, it's a showpiece. And if your team plays Texas A&M at some point in the future, I would advise fans to, to make a trip over there. And Tennessee fans raved about how welcoming uh, the Aggies fans were, you know, coming up to people and shaking their hands and asking them how they were doing, if there was anything they needed. And, you know, we, we, we didn't even tailgate or anything or hang out with anybody in pregame, but there were two or three groups of people that, that saw us and saw orange on our polos with, with inside Tennessee and asked if we needed direction. So it's a, it's a great place to, to see. And they had the second largest crowd 
uh, in, in Kyle Field's history. So that you know, all the odds were stacked against Tennessee, and they they still managed to come back. It was a it was a fun game to watch. It was great to be on the field for all that. And then uh, what a breakout performance for Alvin Kamara, who. Uh, was uh, had to take on a heavier load with Jalen Hurd being uh, not traveling with the team, being uh, out with an upper body injury, uh, Danny. I always knew that uh, Alvin was talented. Uh, we know of his history here at the University of Alabama. Uh, he uh, transferred uh, to a junior college in Kansas and then uh, in, uh, in, uh, ended up at Tennessee. And he was voted a captain by his teammates. He's been a very solid football player. But I think we finally saw this past Saturday how good he can be if he gets more and more touchdowns. I mean, just a tremendous performance. Yeah, we, we first saw Alvin Kamara when he was a junior in high school at Norcross High School down in Georgia when we actually went to go see Jason Kroon play and, and noticed Alvin then. And his, his talent's been apparent ever since, uh, from there to, to his senior year to, to being an Under Armour All-American. And uh, obviously, Bama was getting a fantastic talent when they signed him and things didn't work out. And then when Tennessee got him, um, it was uh, – uh, a shot in the arm for them. It's hard to find that type of talent. I think you have to recruit it. I don't think you can coach those type of skills and cultivate them. Uh, you just kind of tweak them a little bit and give him, give him an opportunity. And Saturday was his opportunity, and he he showed the world what he's capable of doing. I think he moved his draft stock up quite a bit, made a lot of money for himself, showed a lot of heart. Um, he did have a little bit of a shoulder injury on that first fumble and uh, was heavily iced down after the game and looked to be playing through pain much of the game, which is crazy because he wound up with 30 touches altogether with the punt returns and in one kickoff return and then uh, over 150 yards receiving, over 100 yards rushing. Uh, one of the better performances in Tennessee football history, and I'm I'm curious, very curious to see what Tennessee and Butch Jones and Mike DeBoer do with the offense now uh, with Alvin showing that type of ability and, you know, kind of willing Tennessee back into that game almost single-handedly, you know, with Jalen Hurd back on the practice field and back for the Alabama game this week. Do they, do they shift back to Jalen being the starter and getting a bulk of the carries and Alvin going back to getting under 10, 10 touches? I think that would be a huge mistake for Tennessee. I do too. And I think with the way this offense has is, is gone more toward the spread look with the mobility of Josh Dobbs and his, his ability as a dual-threat QB to throw the football and Alvin Kamara being such a great receiver, uh, I never thought I would say this because I've always liked Hurd as a player, but he doesn't seem to fit the offense as well. And to me, I think Alvin should now start and you get a few touches to Hurd, but he should be the centerpiece of this offense because of how well-rounded a back he is, uh, Danny. You know, actually, I, I had an idea this week that a lot of people had talked about with Hurd from his high school days was, um, and especially the way John Kelly came in and had about, I think it was 13 carries and ran extremely hard for Tennessee on Saturday. Um, you want as many weapons on the field as possible, especially when you're facing the number one rush defense in the country in Alabama this weekend. I, I would probably have some two-back sets. Obviously, you're going to run the football with Josh Dobbs. I wouldn't change personnel, but I would probably bring Jalen Hurd on as an H-back and tied in in some formations, The way, especially the way – Ethan Wolf and Jason Kroom have, have struggled both with catching the football and with blocks this year. I think Hurd's better at doing both than each of those young men, and it would I think it would make Hurd look that much more multidimensional and probably would prove his draft stock quite a bit as well as helping Tennessee win this year. I don't think that's going to happen. That's something I would at least consider uh, in certain packages. But, um, you know, like I said, I think it'll be a mistake if, if they don't give Alvin uh, the touches he needs, and I, I'll be surprised if, if they do give him enough, enough touches because it seems like some at times his staff is pretty stubborn with things. But 
Uh, there's no doubt about it that as far as a pure runner, I think Alvin proved that he's better than Jalen. Well, and what's so interesting in – I follow uh, recruiting closely as well, especially for the University of Alabama. Is Jalen Hurd was recruited by Alabama, but the reason he didn't go to the university is because Alabama recruited him as an H-back, and uh, Tennessee uh-huh. wanted to make him into a running back, and he's had a, a good career with the Vols, no doubt about it. But I just think right now, when you look at Alvin Kamara, I know sometimes injuries open the doors uh, and, and can be even beneficial to a football team. You never want to see someone be injured, but sometimes it gives guys an opportunity and, and can uh, they can uh, and, and open coaches' eyes. And I agree with you, Danny. I think if they don't get Alvin Kamara 20 to 25 touches on Saturday against Alabama, I think he's their most dynamic offensive weapon, quite frankly. But you know, along with Joshua Dobbs, it's a huge mistake. Yeah, and it, it sounds weird having this conversation because Hurd's not far away from being right. Tennessee's all-time leading rusher in school history over names like Charlie Garner, Jamal Lewis, Chuck Webb, Reggie Cobb, Travis Henry, Arian Foster, man, keep going. So uh, it sounds crazy, and I do think that you still give the football to Jalen Hurd as a running back in certain situations and, and find different ways to get him the football. He's still a valuable asset for Tennessee, but, but you mentioned the, the run-pass options with Joshua Dobbs and the way – uh, Kamara just moves so freely in the open field and in space, and he would be a fantastic safety valve for Tennessee, not to only, uh, you know, uh, help Josh Dobbs avoid a sack and just chunking the football out of bounds, but to catch the football and advance the football and move the chains. He's just so dynamic, and I think, you know, Dobbs is probably going to be under duress much of the day with Tim Williams and Jonathan Allen and those guys coming off the edge. And then uh, Anderson has always given Tennessee problems, including the huge sack fumble that he caused last year, or interception, I guess it technically was. Um, so that's, you need someone like that to give the football to when you're running for your life, but Alvin's definitely that guy. Well, and we've finally seen this uh, wide receiver core for Tennessee uh, begin to take shape and begin to perform uh, at, at a higher level. Uh, but we've seen now Preston Williams looks as though he is going to leave the program it's been a little disappointing with him I saw him when he was a 10th grader at a seven-on-seven event at Hoover Alabama thought he had an unlimited potential and could be a great player and thought he might be uh, the guy to get this uh, wide receiver tradition restarted at Tennessee it just hasn't happened yeah he's he still has that unlimited potential we saw a little bit of that uh, this August and back in the spring as he was starting to get fully recovered from those two, two knee ligament tears he had at Lovejoy High School down in Georgia his senior year, and I don't know. It, he got the football quite a bit against Appalachian State, but had some problems holding on to the football, both with catches and, and a couple key fumbles for Tennessee this year. And uh, Juwan Jennings came on, Josh Ballone came on, um, and Preston's never been kind of a slot kind of receiver, so he kind of lost his spot in the top of the rotation. Tennessee's not rotating guys as much this year. They want to keep their top playmakers on the field and the way Jennings came up both against Florida and with a huge catch against Georgia. You can't take him off the field to work someone in. Um, not as much, anyways, because Tennessee's not going tempo that much this year. We see Josh Dobbs with a lot of check with me uh, uh, pre-snap situations. They're not snapping with 20, 25 seconds as though they have some in the past. They're slowing down quite a bit, so they're not rotating as much. So Preston hasn't gotten near as many opportunities. Only one catch in the last three games, and you know, he's always been kind of a different cat. He talked about having his own clothing line and modeling when he was in high school. He's talked about now about moving out to L.A. and getting into the modeling scene out there. So, you know, you wish the best for him, and uh, hopefully he figures out things before it's too late. But there's definitely enough talent there in the tank for him to get to the NFL. I just wonder 
how much he actually loves football because he has his mindset on doing so many things outside of the football. It's hard to concentrate on doing what you need to do during the season because really as a student athlete, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room to do some things on the side during the football season. There's really not. And uh, you bring up a great point about loving football and, you're right. We'll see uh, where uh, Preston's journey takes him. But now to go back to the current team, uh, and it's uh, really been the focus of the week and because of uh, how banged up this team has been, uh, Danny, but how is the injury report looking for the Vols? <laughs> it's still pretty bad, Drew. Uh, uh, we're anxious to see if Darren Kirkland Jr. is going to get back on the field. He hurt his ankle against the Virginia Tech back on September 10th, and he's Tennessee starting Mike linebacker, and they, they definitely need someone to come back off the mend at linebacker with Cortez Sapp out for the year. Like I said, Cortez McDowell didn't return to the game last week. Uh, Jalen Rees-Mavens, uh, set to have season-ending surgery here shortly, um, is not going to be back. So they're really banged up there. We saw Elliot Berry, who's the fourth-string wheel linebacker, into the game last week. Uh, Colton Jumper, a former walk-on, has done well as the starting Mike linebacker and led Tennessee in tackles last week. Had an interception off the tip pass. But they're they're really struggling there. Uh, Cameron Sutton, their All-American punt returner and best corner, is still out for the Bama game. He may return in late November, possibly in December, uh, but it's it's a long timetable on him. Dylan Wiseman, who started at center last week for Tennessee, took a, a blow to the head and missed that game as, and is listed as doubtful for this one. Coleman Thomas is probably going to be the starting center this week. Um, like you said, Preston Williams doesn't seem like he's going to be available. Sounds like he's definitely transferring. I was told he's still sorting some things out, but I don't expect him to play this weekend as well. Um, and there's there's still other guys that I'm leaving out, but it's a it's a banged up group for Tennessee, no doubt. It, it's a it's a tough spot to be in with the number one team in the country coming to town. And then the, of course the Danny O'Brien situation, Danny. Yeah, yeah, that was a a deal where he was suspended uh, last summer um, for believed to be failed tests because with the wording Butch Jones used at the time, I think it was last September around the Oklahoma game, said that we're going to do uh, whatever we need to do to get Danny some help. So mm-hmm. it sounds like a test situation. So we're assuming that this is a kind of a second failed test, but nobody's really elaborating. But Danny O'Brien did come on Twitter and say, you know, he apologized for the mistakes he's made and uh, he holds no ill will against Tennessee and wishes the balls the best. And that's, that's a tough spot. I've known Danny for about five, six years now, and he is a good kid, and uh, he has Tennessee in his heart. And I came down from Detroit, fit in right away. He's a hunter-gatherer kind of kid. There's not many pictures of him from back in the day without camouflage on, and he's he's been embraced by the, the fans, and he's you know just about six weeks away from going through the tee for senior night. So it's, it's a tough break for him, and Tennessee loses a starting defensive tackle, but I wish him the best. And then what does that mean now for the what, uh, how you think they're going to line up? Kareem McKenzie and Shy Tuttle, I guess, are going to take on quite a load on Saturday. Yeah, McKenzie, Tuttle, uh, Kendall Vickers, those will be the main three defensive tackles. Uh, Tennessee's done some different things with Jonathan Kongbo, Derek Barnett, uh, Demario Mixon rotating in at defensive tackle with a three technique in obvious passing situations. But um, if Alabama gets out and starts grinding the football away, I don't know that Tennessee has uh, that fourth defensive tackle right now that can get in there and hold the point of attack. They do have Alexis Johnson, who signed at a junior college uh, and enrolled in January, but was immediately suspended a couple weeks later with a, an off-the-field incident. He he returned to the team around mid-August or so, but he's been trying to play himself back into shape and get SEC football shape. I don't know that he's quite there yet, but I, he may get a series or two just to give uh, – 
arrest of Victor's McKenzie in total. But that's that's a tough spot for Tennessee. It really is. And then I'm glad you brought up Derek Barnett. He has been amazing. Uh, as I've tweeted a few times, he's been channeling in his inner Reggie White. Uh, I think he's been as <laughs> impactful as any defender in tennis, at Tennessee in many a, a year and maybe in the last decade or so. Uh, he's been as good as any defender in this league this year. I, he, he, he's got to have a huge night for Tennessee uh, to win this game. I think Tennessee's the, – the matchup that still worries me, if you're an Alabama fan, is uh, Vereen, who killed Alabama last year. Of course, I think Jonah Williams is better at right tackle than Dominic Jackson, no disrespect to him. But uh, just in Barnett with the way he's playing, uh, that, that those ends at Tennessee are very, very dangerous as pass rushers. Yeah, Jonah Williams looking like a future first-round pick himself, an impressive young man. But, um, but yeah, yeah, Vereen and, and Derek Barnett have to have a good day. They have to uh, collapse the pocket on, on Jalen Hurts and, you know, force him to make bad decisions with the football, get rid of the football before he's ready. But, but Barnett, uh, now up to 25 sacks in his career at Tennessee, just seven behind Reggie White. And he's, you know, that's, that's one of the cool things I like about being on the sideline doing photography during the game is seeing the sideline and seeing things during timeouts. And, and Barnett's become a vocal leader. Uh, you know, when I covered him when he was at Brentwood Academy and he was being recruited by Tennessee, Missouri, Ole Miss, different schools. And he didn't seem like that type of cat, just kind of lead by example. And he has kind of a nasty side to him in the game, but never really has done that much on the sideline in terms of gathering the troops. But he's doing that this year, and it's been impressive. He's, he's picked up the slack with half of the, the four team captains out for the, for the immediate future with Reese Mabin and Sutton out. So he's one of those leaders on the field, and he's always getting guys pumped up. He's almost refusing to come out of games. I know Kyle Phillips hasn't gotten a lot of playing time this year, but Barnett just doesn't like coming out of football games, and he's He's affected guys uh, quite a bit, especially the last three weeks against Florida, Georgia, and Texas A&M. And without him, uh, Tennessee may have lost all three of those games, in fact. Uh, but he's, uh, you know, I know Bruce Feldman gave him a lot of props that he ought to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. Heisman's one of the five best players in the country right now. And he's he's improved his draft spot quite a bit. And he's not just a pass rusher. He's pretty fantastic against the run as well. So he's, he's a total package at defensive end for Tennessee. No doubt. When I saw him two years ago as a freshman, in my first trip to Knoxville, I, I just marveled at how good he could be, and that's the kind of player. And you like to see that he's not uh, been trying to protect his draft grade. He's been trying to. He's been worried about winning games and playing hard every down. And he's been a handful for everyone uh, that's had to uh, deal with him. But now Cam Sutton's out, as you talked about, till probably late November, early December, Danny. This secondary for Tennessee has struggled some. This Alabama receiver group is a talented one. How do they match up in your mind against the Crimson Tide? Not terribly well, Drew. Um, you know, we saw musical chairs at, at cornerback opposite Malik Foreman last week in College Station. Malik himself is the senior that we talked about punching the ball out, but he's he's rolled over for being a, a career nickelback uh, at Tennessee the last few years. He hasn't logged many snaps at all at corners since he spelled Cam Sutton when Cam had a, a slight injury a couple of years ago. Uh, but opposite him, we saw Emmanuel Mosley, Justin Martin, Markwell Osborne, Balin Buchanan, all those guys try to contain some of the Texas A&M receivers at the other cornerback spot. So that's someone has to step up there for Tennessee. It's going to be a long day trying to cover Stewart and Calvin Ridley and some of those cats. But um, uh, to, to keep on that situation with the secondary, uh, uh, you know, uh, Todd Kelly Jr. looks to be playing with a bulky knee brace. Uh, kind of saw it underneath his pants uh, in socks last week, and he looks to be moving a little bit tender at practice. So I don't think he's full strength. So 
Uh, we've seen him in open field try to run some guys down. He can't really close the gap. So he's, I wouldn't say playing one-legged, but he's not 100% right now. Tennessee hasn't talked about that, but you can't see the brace on his pants on game day. So a uh, tough spot for him. You almost wonder at some point when Nodger Warrior is going to get his chance. He's always shown some playmaking ability in his earlier in his career in, in high school and hasn't really gotten a shot much at safety at Tennessee. He's been on special teams. Uh, units, including getting the targeting call on the block last week, but uh, you know, this has got to find some answers back there. They got to find them in a hurry. I think Alabama has one of the better collections of pass catchers they've had in program history. No doubt, and uh, and Danny, as we uh, finish up with you, and we appreciate your time always. And this is Danny Parker of Inside Tennessee, uh, and you can follow him at the Danny Parker on Twitter. Uh, just. What is your thoughts on this game? I mean, I like Alabama uh, 30-17 to 17 because I think Tennessee is very talented, but I just think they're so banged up. Uh, I'm not sure defensively uh, if they can uh, contain the Tide for a full, uh, you know, uh, 60 minutes in this game. But just your thoughts on how you see this matchup playing out uh, for the balls. What do they need to do to win this game and end this streak that I know they want to so badly? Well, I mentioned Jalen Hurts, and they absolutely have to affect him and force him to make some bad throws. He has to turn the football over for Tennessee to have a chance. Uh, uh, Tennessee's got to be opportunistic back on their side of the defense. When they get turnovers like they did, they forced Trevor Knight into similar situations and made him throw uh, some bad footballs at times. It's almost uncanny how similar his traits are to both Josh Dobbs and Trevor Knight. Uh, hurts that when I'm speaking of, he, you know, he, he can be affected, but he is a dynamic guy. Does have a good arm, uh, does make some plays with his legs. Tennessee has to contain the pocket. They have to slow him down when he goes to run the football. Uh, ran the football extremely well against Ole Miss and kept him in the game and really helped uh, spearhead that comeback. So if they can force him into some bad throws and turn the football over, I think that's going to help Tennessee's chances quite a bit. Like I said, someone has to step up at that cornerback spot opposite Malik Foreman, but. Uh, on the other side of the football, I don't think Tennessee's going to be able to sit back there and just throw the football around like they were able to do against Texas A&M. Alabama's defense is just too good. I know Dobbs threw for 384 last week, but I would look for a number probably somewhere half that uh, against Alabama. But they have to run the football. And they've, I know Alabama has the number one rush defense in the country. Florida had the same thing when Tennessee ran up down the field on them. I'm not suggesting Tennessee's going to run up down the field on Alabama. There's even better personnel in Tuscaloosa than there is in Gainesville, but that's that's probably the key matchup to watch. If Tennessee doesn't look like they can run the football at all in the first half, it may wind up being a long night because both teams have a, a propensity to score in, in bunches, um, regardless of what how things look at different times. It may be boring at different spells, but I, I think it's going to be kind of a prize fight. I think both teams are going to come out. They're going to score in bulk uh, with a lot of haymakers thrown. And in, in spite of everything getting stacked up against them, I actually picked Tennessee to win this game. It's the first time. Uh, since I joined in uh, Tennessee, that I picked Tennessee to beat Alabama. I did pick them to lose against, against uh, Texas A&M last week, but I've just felt Tennessee had the right personnel and could win some proper matchups to beat Alabama for the entire summer. And I, I wavered on a little bit after Reese Maven and Cameron Sutton and Kirkland all went out, but uh, this team just has so much fight and so much will to win. And you combine that with atmosphere that we're going to see on Saturday in Knoxville, which may be one of the best ever in school history. I keep using school history, but it's it's going to be a glorious weekend. I mean, you're talking about third Saturday in October, 99th meeting between these two. There's a college football playoff shot on the line. It's almost like a quarterfinal for that. Both teams are trying to get to Atlanta and, and could very well rematch in the SEC championship. Uh, both are top ten. It's going to be 
uh, probably one of the better days I've ever experienced in college football, and I picked Tennessee to win 41 to 38. Wow, it would be uh, what a what a, uh, a matchup it could be. And you're right, it it could turn into a track meet. Alabama did not play well in the back end uh, last week against Arkansas, and if they continue their struggles against a very talented Tennessee offense, it could end up being a 41-38 shootout. Uh, and uh, if this so, you need to check the blood pressure of Nick Saban. He won't be very happy and was really cranked up in his press conference yesterday. But, Danny, we always appreciate your time. Let everybody know what you're working on on Inside Tennessee. We know it will be a big recruiting weekend also, and you'll be all over that. And let them know, of course, where they can connect with you on Twitter. And that was my conversation with uh, Danny Parker of Inside Tennessee. It was great stuff, and Danny's always very hospitable with his time, very knowledgeable when it comes to the balls. and we wanted to bring uh, you that conversation here tonight on BAMS Radio. And now I know we've got a great friend of ours on the Sunbelt Tents hotline uh, is uh, calling in. We haven't heard from him in a while, but it's great always to talk to Bring the Pain. How you doing, Crimson Brother? I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all doing? doing well man we hope you're doing good and looking forward to the third saturday in october oh me too me too i can't wait but I'm what are your thoughts on the match uh i i tell you my thoughts of it tennessee is one of the luckiest teams that's been playing all year long i mean luck they should have lost against Appalachian State, but they didn't. Uh, I, I don't see them scoring that much on us, especially on our defense. Yeah, our secondary needs work, but everybody was saying Arkansas is going to beat the number one team. Arkansas got a good offense, which they do. Threw for 400 yards on us. Our secondary definitely needs help. But I say Alabama's going to win 35-17. Tennessee can't hold on to the ball. Well, you know, you may very well be right, Daniel. There's no doubt about it, my friend. Uh, I I think uh, this is a bad matchup for Tennessee, honestly. Uh, I agree with you. They could have lost every football game they played, including Ohio. I think this Alabama team was better than Tennessee when Tennessee was healthy. Now they're not healthy. Most of their better defensive players are out. Derek Barnett's going to have to have a superhuman performance, and he, I know he's going to try to bring it, but I think Cam Robinson knows that. I think he will be prepared. So will Jonah Williams. And if they can protect Jalen Hurts, and, of course, Jalen also has excellent mobility, something uh, that will really help Alabama as well. But if they protect Jalen – I think they're going to win this game comfortably. I mean, I, and I think Nick Saban is a much better football coach than Butch Jones, whose team's shown a lot of heart and tenacity. But I just don't think as a coaching staff, when you go head up, even with Bob Shoup and Jeremy Pruitt, and Bob Shoup's a, a good defensive coordinator, but I think Pruitt is elite. I think Alabama all the way around uh, is going to have, uh, you know, it's just got the advantages over Tennessee. It's going to come down to if Alabama plays clean. If they play clean, uh, to me, Tennessee doesn't have much of a chance. And you're going to see 10 in a row. Uh, over the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers uh, come about uh, 6 o'clock on uh, Saturday night. I agree with you. And you know what? Tennessee's got to handle our running backs. I mean, come on. Harris and uh, Jacobs. 
Jacobs, man, once he gets that ball and hits that hole, he just turns on the Jets. He's gone. He does. So He I does, mean, and, I, and I just don't think – I was just going to say, I, I just don't see how this Tennessee offensive line is banged up as they are is going to be able to hold up against this Alabama front. I think John Allen could have a big game, Tim Williams as well. I just think overall – uh, this matchup, I, there's a lot of people saying it's going to turn into a shootout. If I were Alabama, I would take that personally, uh, and I would want to make a statement against Tennessee. But uh, this is a team, uh, they play with a lot of heart, and I understand that, and that's what Danny Parker you know, kept emphasizing. But Alabama plays with a lot of uh, tenacity as well. They're used to being the hunted. Uh, and really, when you just look at the rosters, Alabama is much more talented. Uh, Jalen Hurd has not had the year that I thought he would. Alvin Kamara has been tremendous. Honestly, right now, I think he's their biggest weapon. If Alabama can hold Alvin Kamara to around 120 all-purpose yards, Tennessee is in big, big trouble. Oh, I agree. And before I let y'all go, I was going to say, uh, right now, which I didn't know until I saw the stats. Uh, right. Jalen Hurts has stung for 1,242 yards. Yeah, something like I'd that. That's say, correct. I see he hits at least over 2,000 yards before the season over with, and at least close to 1,000 yards rushing. He may very well. He's already got uh, nearly 300 yards rushing. Well, bring the pain, man. We always appreciate the conversation. Thank you for joining BAMF tonight, brother. All right, man. Thanks a lot, too. Y'all have a good day. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, my friend. Now we're going to go back to the Sunbelt Tents hotline uh, for a great friend of ours. We had him on throughout the college football playoff last year uh, from Tullahoma, Tennessee. You know, I was honored to be a part of his radio program uh, at 105 won the ticket when I was working for Alabama Intel. Uh, he and uh, Scotty the Deuce Calhoun, and uh, they did a great job on their show. And, uh, you know, that station has now been sold, unfortunately. But uh, 105 won the ticket uh, was, a, was, a, was a great, uh, so, uh, you know, resource for me, and I enjoyed being a part of their program. Uh, and now we welcome to the Sunbelt Tents hotline uh, Ken Keller. And as, uh, he, as he told me, he was born in Winchester, Tennessee, the home of Phil Fulmer, but he was raised a Bama fan and a ball hater by his good papa. And, uh, again, he's a former uh, a, a radio commentator, as we said, for 105 won the ticket, but a huge Alabama fan. fan. As I told him, he, uh, his blood runs crimson. In the uh, in the uh, city or in the city of Tullahoma and in the state of Tennessee, and we're glad to have him join us tonight and give us his thoughts on this 99th meeting between the Tide and the Vols. Ken, it's a pleasure, man. How are you tonight? Hi, Drew. I'm doing great, man. Just listening to your show, you do a fantastic job, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here tonight. And uh, my blood does run crimson in big orange country, so we're going to break this game down here tonight. Absolutely. Uh, your your blood definitely does run crimson in the state of Tennessee. And uh, this is a game I know that the Vols have been looking forward to uh, for a full calendar year after their near miss, 19-14, to 14, uh, in 2015 in Bryant-Denny Stadium when Jake Coker and R. Darius Stewart kind of had their coming-of-age moments in driving the Vols or driving the tie to a go-ahead touchdown against the Vols to win that game. And as we saw Ryan Anderson uh, and uh, close that out with the strip sack, uh, and it was a tremendous uh, uh, win for Alabama. Showed a lot of heart and guts. 
it also showed Tennessee is definitely on the right track under Butch Jones. But uh, this team at Tennessee has kind of played uh, down to their level of competition or up, whether you want to say that, uh, this season. They've been up and down, found a way to win games until it ran out of gas last week. And this is a banged-up unit uh, heading uh, into this matchup with Alabama. Yeah, absolutely, Drew. You know, talking about that game last year, you know, Stewart and Ridley both made some big catches uh, over the cornerbacks on that last drive after Tennessee took the lead in the last five minutes of that game. Of course, Alabama had a big sack and fumble they recovered after Derrick Henry took over on that last drive. Uh, could have been 26-14, to 14, but Nick Saban being the gentleman that he is, even against a big rival like he runs the clock out and, and wins it 19-14. to 14. And, and unlike last year, we are catching the balls at the perfect time. If you remember, they had the bye week last year. We were banged up. We were tired. We just went through several weeks with a murderous row schedule. The last four games, Tennessee playing Florida, Georgia, Texas A&M, and now Alabama, they limp into this contest. They are not full strength, and I think, you know, they've said that they're going to burn out Neyland Stadium. The lower level is going to dress in orange, the upper level smoke gray, but there's going to be a red alert, Drew, in Knoxville because Nick Saban will light the match in the locker room and Alabama will burn down Neyland Stadium. And, Ken, that's well said. There's no doubt about it. I believe that, too. I think Alabama is going to be – completely ready uh for this uh football game i you know i i uh, it's kind of humored me in the last few days where it seems more and more riders are picking uh tennessee to upset alabama because of their intangibles and they do you know have a lot of hunger i'm sure to end this losing streak but the bottom line is you have to look at the rosters you have to look at the health of the teams you have to look at the coaching staff and i think every arrow points to alabama and i think the one shot tennessee has and everyone has a puncher's chance but they have to hope Alabama is sloppy with the football, turns it over four or five times. Uh, you know, I, Tennessee was able to stay in that game amazingly last week with seven turnovers, but they've turned it over against everyone. If Alabama wins the turnover battle and Jalen Hurts just continues to play solid football, he doesn't have to be spectacular. He just has to continue to protect the ball. I don't see uh, any way Tennessee uh, wins this game, and really I don't think it's going to be that close. Those are all great points right there, Drew. You know, uh, you know, I've thought about saying that Tennessee was cautiously optimistic coming into this game, but that's not the case down here in Tennessee country. They're cockily optimistic, okay? They're, they think they're going to win this game. They think they got a, a puncher's chance. And to their credit, they have been very resilient this year, uh, you know, overcoming the deficit uh, that they did in the earlier contests. But the fact of the matter remains, they played Florida without their starting quarterback, Del Rio. They played Georgia without Nick Chubb. And then last week, somehow, uh, after they got down 28-7, to uh, they pushed that game with seven turnovers into double overtime. So I do give them credit for uh, uh, being very resilient. This is the most resilient uh, Tennessee team I've seen in the last 20 years. That includes the 98 team, uh, of course, that won the national championship. I've been watching them very closely ever since Butch Jones took over. Uh, they play with a lot of heart and guts. They are a 60-minute team, so Alabama is going to have to play this game 60 minutes. Gary Danielson said this week that Alvin Kamara, he thought, was the best running back right now in the SEC. So we have to watch out for him. Jalen Hurd coming off a head injury, uh, which I believe was a concussion. He's going to be back. He's going to play. Butch Jones said yesterday that he's going to play. So, they may go with some two running back sets, Drew, and put the tight end on the bench for a little bit just to cause Alabama some matchup problems. 
And so that fast and furious Alabama defense has got to be ready to go. Uh, hopefully we'll have number 10, Reuben Foster, back uh, after he went out in that game, hit his head on the ground and got the concussion because that guy's like Mike Tyson with a football helmet on. I mean, that guy's all over the place and the leader of that defense. And I do like the fact, even though that Alabama secondary was lacerated earlier in the season by Chad Kelly and uh, Austin Allen last week of Arkansas, that um, the leaders of that defense, Eddie Jackson, uh, Fitzpatrick, and these guys come together, uh, Hump, Marlon Humphrey, and they have a secondary, a secondary meeting of the players only this week. So I think that bodes well for Alabama. I think that secondary is going to tighten it up this week, and they need to, Drew, because Tennessee has two elite wide receivers right now, uh, Jawan Jennings especially. He's the one that caught the uh, – uh, Hail Mary pass at Georgia uh, to win that game. And also Josh Malone, a five-star, also playing at a high level. So Tennessee, don't be fooled. Offensively, they are loaded with skilled players. They do have an, a couple of offensive linemen that are banged up, as you alluded to. Dylan Wiseman is doubtful for this game. He went out with a back concussion against uh, uh, last week against A&M. And Jayshon Robertson also, uh, no update on him. He, those two both guys were starters. So they'll be going with backups on the offensive line, and that does bode well for Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, and the rest of that Alabama defensive front. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think another factor that people aren't really talking about, he didn't get a chance to finish the game because of the, the freak injury with his elbow. But Joshua Jacobs, uh, you know, Galvin Kamara had his coming out party last week, but Jacobs has been starting to assert himself, was very good against Kentucky, and then rips off a 56-yarder. Uh, what might have been against Arkansas. Ken, as good as Damian Harris has been, he's been very, very good, as uh, Aaron Suttle said with us earlier in the first hour. But Joshua Jacobs, he's got the best first step on this football team. He's extremely well-rounded already as a running back, trusted as a receiver uh, and blocker. Very excited to see what they might do with him in this matchup against Tennessee. And uh, I just really think overall, Tennessee does have uh, a lot of weapons offensively. They are getting better production, as you said, from the wide receivers. But I just think Alabama has more weapons. And then they have a transcendent quarterback. Josh Dobbs is getting most of the headlines in this matchup because he's a senior and has been in three of these games. I saw the first uh, long-term action against Alabama back in 2014. But I don't think this atmosphere is going to you know, intimidate Jalen Hurts. He's already been through two raucous environments, and he just seems like an even-keeled guy that's going to go out and execute and be cold-blooded. I agree. Jalen Hurts, he's accounted for 14 touchdowns. And as your caller said just on the, before I got on, over 1,200 yards uh, passing offense this year. You know, and the key there for Alabama has been protecting him outside that uh, helmet-to-helmet shot that Ole Miss put on him that the player should have been a targeting call in that game. It was grossly missed. Uh, he's been spectacular. And uh, that's what Nick Saban is impressed with this young man is really, you know, he was an early enrollee in January. This guy's got a short memory. He's a weight room warrior. Uh, very, you know, mental tough. His ability to process is, is uh, being phenomenal. And really, you know, to 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 implement Lane Kiffin's game plan. And really, he won the team over in the spring in the weight room, and he won the team over on the field in the fall. So right now, this is uh, Jalen Hurts' team. And you know, that's a, you know, some people that think the Vols can win have got the quarterback experience of Dobbs versus the freshman Hurts, um, but. I think this is just neutralized because Saban's philosophy has always, always been for the quarterback just to get the ball to playmakers and distribute the football. And I think O.J. Howard's going to come up big in this game. And maybe Garrett Dieter, 
uh, who who rolled Tennessee for about a 200 yards last year in Nashville playing for Bowling Green uh, before transferring over to the Tide. You may see him have a big game Saturday, Drew. Well, that's a great point, Ken. And then we haven't even really talked about uh, Calvin Ridley and our Darius Stewart, uh, who are both dynamic. And this, and honestly, this is another point that hasn't been emphasized enough. This ball secondary has not been very good. And to top it all off, I don't, you probably heard Danny Parker talking about this, but uh, Todd Kelly Jr. has probably been their most consistent guy, and he's got on a knee brace and may be limited from a mobility standpoint. Wow, that's new news to me. I, I've not seen anything regarding uh, Todd Kelly Jr. They have a another safety from here in Middle Tennessee, Sean Golden, has been playing well. Uh, they are nicked up, of course. Uh, you know, their big uh, Cam Sutton, their top cornerback, out. They're trying to get him back if they can make the SEC championship. But they're also uh, hurting at linebacker, too, Drew. Uh, of course, uh, D- Darren Kirkland will be a game-time decision. He's practiced this week. They said his ankle's heavily taped. You know how tough it is on these high ankle sprains to come back. They have a bye week next week. So it would not surprise me if Darren Kirkland is not scratched from the lineup. They're going to be relying on a freshman named Daniel Batuli and a uh, sophomore from Huntsville named Gavin Bryant. So uh, those are two guys you can see on the field along with the Colton Jumper because, of course, Jalen Reeves-Maven's out of the game. So I think linebackers week for Tennessee right now and their offensive line due to injuries and some spots in the secondary. As you said, they've been shaky back there. Uh, and the balance of Alabama's offense is certainly going to cause those problems, cause them problems. The ability to run the ball and distribute through the passing game. Achilles Hill for Alabama has been downfield passing before last week. I think that uh, Jalen Hurts only had six passes over 20 yards downfield. So hopefully this is the game that he catches lightning in the bottle takes that next step and completes some long passes downfield to Stewart and Ridley. Uh, the timing's been off on some of those passes, but it would be nice to hit a couple of those. And you know that Lane Kiffin, in his hate for Tennessee, uh, you know, he bolted out two years ago when I was at that game in Knoxville to a 27 and nothing lead in the second quarter in the last trip there uh, for Alabama, won 34-20. Josh Dobbs, as you said, came in that game in the third series, and Tennessee fans said that if he would have started at quarterback, uh, that Tennessee would have won that game. So that's how cocky they are. They got Dobbs from the start. So let's see what happens this week. Absolutely. And uh, I think Alabama, the, the key for them, Ken, they're going to need to, as a defensive line, keep uh, Josh Dobbs in the pocket, uh, kind of mush rush him, try not to let him get loose and get to the edges because he is an effective runner. Uh, I, I'd like to see them make him throw from the pocket because I think he's extremely erratic with his accuracy. And one other thing people have been saying, now they've hit on a couple of vertical passes, but Dobbs' strength is not as a vertical passer. I would expect Alabama to mix it up from man and zone and try to take away some of the underneath stuff, hit the receivers very hard, uh, be solid in their coverage, uh, because and make Dobbs throw it vertically because I'm not sure he can on this Alabama defense. We'll see. If Alabama doesn't have any busts, I think uh, Dobbs is going to make some mistakes. Alabama is going to win the turnover battle in this deal. I've got Alabama winning 30-17. to 17. I think the big key for them is they've just got to block Derek Barnett, who's a tremendous player, and Corey Vereen, who really ate Alabama's lunch last year. But I think uh, Jonah Williams may have something to say about that. Yeah, all great points, and I agree 100% with you on all that, Drew. Um, watch out for number 32, the rabbit, uh, Rashawn Evans especially if uh, if Ruben dings his head again, you know, they, he'll go into that middle linebacker position. But he did a great job in the national championship. It's fine. Rashawn Evans put good hits on him. I think you could see him have a big game here. 
And watch out for Alabama's special teams. Alabama's defense and special teams this year has scored the same number of touchdowns as Stanford's offense has. And, and Tennessee's special teams was number one in the nation last year, but they've regressed. They've had lots of fumbles out of their punt return game. Evan Berry is questionable for this game. I haven't heard you guys mention that. Evan Berry is questionable. Alvin Kamara or two freshmen, Tyler Bird or Markwell Osborne, could be returning punts. So keep an eye on that situation. If we can get some good high hang time punts and get good coverage, we could get a fumble in the in the, in the uh, uh, punt return game there. So I'm like you. I got my prediction. My prediction is 38-27 Alabama. I think uh, – <clears throat> You know, Nick Saban and this Alabama team, Bush Jones' first year called Alabama the red team. He insulted Alabama. Nick Saban doesn't forget those type of things. In the spring, Jonathan Conbo, who picked picked Tennessee over Alabama, the defensive uh, end for uh, Tennessee that came out of junior college in Arizona, put together one of these early silly hype videos that Tennessee does and uh, in the background, he had some signs up, we're going to beat Alabama and all this. So, believe me, that's been in the locker room this week. Alabama is highly motivated to win this game. Nobody does it better on the road than Nick Saban. He's the best at road games. You know, look what he did to Georgia last year in the rain. Look what he did in 2008 and during the blackout game. They're going to try to burn out Neyland. Like I said, Nick Saban's going to strike the match, and he's going to turn these boys loose. And I look for Alabama to roll and stay undefeated uh, going into the Texas A&M battle next week. Yeah, it should be it would make up for a heck of a game, uh, two unbeaten teams. But, I, you know, and with Tennessee, uh, I remember the Kongbo video, and the ironic part is he's not played that much, not been a huge factor. They will need him this weekend. Uh, but he did say they were going to go 15-0. and That's already out the window. Uh, and, uh, and they still are in contention uh, for the playoff and the SEC championship game. But if they don't beat Alabama, they're going to have to sweat it out with the Florida Gators the rest of the year, who we now know have that that, that situation has been resolved. They're going to play LSU, as everyone figured they would. Uh, but, again, Alabama, as we've said, Ken, you, you know this series well. There's only been one 10-plus-year winning streak in this series for Alabama. You know, and it was, and it was uh, from uh, 71 to 81. It was 11 years. You don't get a chance uh, to put 10 up very often in a series. Alabama has done it now against Arkansas has the same to do against Tennessee. And if you're, uh, you know, a, a follower of this program, you'll never forget what uh, Phil Fulmer said years ago uh, when uh, Alabama went on probation. And he said they were going to be out of business in two years. There's nothing that I don't think Alabama fans <laughs> would like to see more than Alabama going to Neyland Stadium, burn it to the ground, and win ten in a row and have Phil Fulmer there watching it. I mean, it, the only thing that's going to be better is, uh, is, is Peyton Manning coming there and having to put his band orchestrator uh, – instruments in his back pocket eating crow after Nick Saban rolls over him. And I'm with you. You know, can a two-loss SEC champ, this game is – this is really a must-win in my book for Tennessee in the playoff picture because if they go 10-2 and two, uh, and win the SEC championship game, do they, do they get in over an 11-1 Louisville or Michigan-Ohio State loser or Alabama or A&M if they just, if they just lose one game? Uh, all the way out. So uh, that will be interesting to see if if a two-loss SEC champ would get eliminated if it was these. So uh, because I think that Louisville, if they if they went out, they're going to be in the in the talk. Uh, you know, I think Clemson's got the most probable chance to be the undefeated team. I believe Ohio State or Michigan, whoever wins that game, 
will probably win out, and it looks like Washington. Chris Peterson's done a great job with him as coach of the year. Alabama sitting in number one. We just need to keep winning and take no doubt out of it. Let's go ahead and put the dagger in Tennessee because I'm telling you right now, I would rather play Florida in the SEC championship in a rematch from last year versus a Tennessee team that we beat uh, and, and have that fan base frenzied and come into the SEC championship in Atlanta with some of these players getting healthy. Let's take care of them right now, Truth. Absolutely. I agree completely, Ken. And we appreciate you joining BAMS tonight. As always, you did an outstanding job last year in the college football playoff with Michigan State and Clemson. And now uh, we know this Tennessee-Alabama game is, spe- is really special to you, uh, being a native of the to the state of Tennessee and the city of Tullahoma and being born in Winchester. And we know you'll be there, and we look forward to uh, uh, you uh, being a part of our program again. We'll probably check back in with you very soon during this season, and we always uh, enjoy your thoughts on BAMS Radio. Thank you for joining us tonight, Ken. Hey, Drew and Thomas, thanks a lot, guys. God bless. Roll Tide. Absolutely. Roll Tide. That's Ken Keller as we're wrapping up this edition of BAMS Radio. A quick two hours, Thomas, but that's the way it goes when you're having fun. Oh, absolutely. And tons of information. And I, even though I don't agree with Mr. Parker, always nice to get a look behind the uh, the, uh, the opposing team's curtain, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And I'll say it again. Uh, and I said this uh, to some, some uh, few people today. If Alabama gives up 41 points to Tennessee, at least three coaches need to never get back on the bus again uh, because <laughs> they are the better football team. It would mean that they played a sloppy game. Nick Saban would definitely not be a happy camper and i think the only way alabama uh, doesn't win 10 in a row over tennessee is if they turn the football over and josh Dobbs plays a superhuman game i know tennessee's going to play all their cards with peyton manning and everyone else but the bottom line is alabama is the king uh, they've been there before they're used to big game environments and raucous uh, you know crowds uh, jalen hurts is going to come in there and be cold-blooded i think this team is going to be and again alabama 30 tennessee 17 and I think you're going to see 10 in a row over the Vols. And, uh, Thomas, uh, any final thoughts from you? Oh, uh, I'm with you. I think Alabama's going to secure it. And I've uh, one of my jobs tomorrow, before after I edit BAM, see if I need to cut a couple of things out, is going to get my victory cigar. Put it to you that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Great way to end it. I hope everyone enjoyed BAM's radio tonight. We appreciate all our listeners, as always, especially Billy. Uh, Tent Man does an outstanding job, and he, he sponsors our hotline. Roll Tide, everybody. Good night and beat the balls.